Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's where I am, and there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, this morning, I wanted to speak to what some have called the most common human condition, and that is a troubled heart. There's a lot of things in our age that can cause a troubled heart. For some, it could be graduating from high school and the anxiety of the unknown that lies ahead could be scary. For some, it could be illness. For others, it could be a unexpected loss. For some, it could be a transitional moment in life that can cause a troubled heart. There's a lot of reasons that this is the most common condition. And before I go any further, I did want to take a moment to pray for uh, Dan and Julia Ko. Uh, Dan is going to Israel this week, and I'm sure that this will be a week that might have a troubled heart. Whenever you're on the mission field and you have a clear calling from the Lord and then unexpected happens, it can cause a troubled heart. I know that this will not be easy trip, closing everything out. I have a list of some of the prayer points here that he shared over Facebook that I want to pray through. But I think as a church family, I think it's important for us just to recognize that even though it may be unexpected, God always uses people in the place where they, he brings them to. And we're grateful for you guys and we love you guys and we're glad that you're here. And so I want to just pray for them this morning. So if you just bow your heads with me as we pray for the Coes. Lord, we're so grateful for them. I know this was not the journey that they expected, but God, we're so grateful that you work in your own plan. Lord, I do pray for Dan's upcoming trip, that the travel would go smoothly, that there'd be no problems get into the country. I know he's only going for 10 days, and so it's very little time to get everything that needs to be done. So Lord, I pray for favor for the agenda, for strength and wisdom and clarity. Lord, I do pray for Julia and the kids as uh, they're without their father for this week. Lord, I pray that you would just bless the time that they have together. Uh, Lord, we're grateful that Julia's mother was able to come in to help, Lord, but we just pray that everything goes smoothly this week for them. 
Lord, I pray for the connections that need to be made over in Israel for Dan and just everything else that needs to happen, Lord, that you would just, by your divine appointment, make it happen. And God, Lord, I pray for peace and comfort that as difficult as it could be to, to end one season of life and begin another, Lord, I pray that you would give them the closure that they need and that they would trust you in the future just for future service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I don't know if you have ever had this experience like me, but you're given a task, you're told to do something, and you believe the person that is you know, telling you to do something, and for some reason, you just can't accomplish the task. Let me give you an illustration that happens often in my family. Sometimes Amber will be like, hey, John, can you get the guacamole from the fridge? It's on the second shelf. So I will walk over. I will open up the door. I will look at the second shelf. And I'll say, are you sure it's on the second shelf? She will respond, yes, dear. It's right next to the eggs. So I will look at the eggs. I do not see any guacamole. So then I will say, I believe that you're right because I've been wrong many times, but I really don't see the guacamole. At this time, she will walk over. She will nudge me out of the way and she will grab the thing that is six inches from my face that I have clearly not seen. Sometimes I think that's the way we can approach the passage this morning. Jesus tells us and gives us this directive, do not let your hearts be troubled. And we may believe it. We may even try to act upon it. But for some reason, we don't find the thing that we're actually looking for. And that's rest. Rest for our soul. This week as I was preparing, it was interesting to me that verse one, let not your heart be troubled is a common verse that I've used in counseling. You may find it on coffee mugs. And then you get to verse six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I've normally heard that used around apologetics. When someone says something like, you know, all roads lead to heaven. And you say, no, John 14, six, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But what's interesting to me here, I've always seen them separated in their kind of their own camps. But the writer of this book, John, he doesn't present I'm the way, the truth, and the life as an apologetic tool. He actually presents it as a comforting tool when our hearts are troubled. He actually presents it as the foundational truth where we can hang all of our troubles That because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way, we can actually have a heart that's at rest. In chapter 14, Jesus is carrying on a conversation. He's at the Last Supper. He's already washed the feet of the disciples that we talked about last week. He's told Judas, you're going to betray me. He has told uh, Peter that he was going to deny him three times. In John 13, 21, he tells the disciples, or he shows his disciples that his own spirit was grieved and the disciples can see him. 
that he's grieved. And he tells them that while his hour has come, he's not going to be here that much longer. Their hearts were troubled. Jesus sees that his disciples' hearts were anxious. And here's what we need to know as the very first thing when we come to this text. It's this, that Jesus sees our burden. Jesus sees that they're anxious. The word here, terasso, means to be agitated, to have inward commotion, to make restless, to, to not find rest. As you have so much turmoil that you're waking up at night, you're tossing to and fro, you're, you're just so anxious about the future. There's things that are going on that are burdensome. And the first thing that Jesus wants us to see in this room this morning is this, that he sees our burdens. When no one else may see it, Jesus does. When no one else sees what's going on, the recesses of our heart, our mind, and our soul, Jesus sees it. When no one else may see the loneliness that we feel or the sadness that we carry, Jesus does. When no one understands the sleepless nights that we've had, Jesus sees our burden. And I think one of the greatest encouragements that we can have from the text this morning is this. We have a compassionate and caring Savior who sees us. J.C. Ryle says it like this. And this passage is a precious remedy against an old disease. That disease is a trouble of heart. That remedy is faith. Even the holiest saints find the world a veil of tears. Faith in the Lord Jesus is the only sure medicine for troubled hearts. To believe more thoroughly, trust more entirely, rest more unreservedly, lay hold more firmly, lean back more completely. This is the prescription which our master urges on the attention of all of his disciples. What J.C. Ryle means to tell us is this, that a troubled heart, the ones that plague us, the only solution, the only way we can start to have a solution to our troubled, uh, troubled heart is to know that Jesus sees us, but ultimately to have faith in God. Believing in God. Faith is the thing that delivers our troubled heart. Now, for many of you, as I said, it's a hard thing to practice. Some of you may be walking through situations and circumstances and you're just thinking to yourself, how do I even begin? Where do I even start? Well, luckily, Jesus tells us. In verse one, he tells us, let not your hearts be troubled. And he says, Believe in God, believe also in me. He says to remember God, believe in God. He tells us that we are to have faith and believe in who God is and what he will do. But notice he doesn't start with the latter. He doesn't just say, hey, here's all the things that I'm gonna promise you. He actually says, Believe in me first and foremost. He says, don't worry about the future. 
He says, believe in me. I'll get to my promises, but first and foremost, believe in me. God wants us to grow in our faith in him. And that's really the only way to be lifted out of a troubled heart. Now, there is a common phenomena in Christianity called easy believism. It's when we have enough belief in God that we are saved by faith in Christ, but it's such a weak faith that it doesn't bring us any of the comfort that God promises us to have. Now, I don't think necessarily that is a a bad thing in its necessity, and here's why. I think we all start there. I think when all of us give our life to Christ, we believe in him, but we have not been tested. We have not gone through trials that help build up our faith in who God is. And so when times of trouble come, if we've gone through moments where we've rested on Jesus, it's easier than to rest on him again. However, the opposite is true. When we are going through trial and we use our own ways and our own mechanisms to overcome and we don't rest in Jesus, the next time something happens, guess where we go to? Our old habits of leaning on ourselves, our old habits of leaning on our own kind of ideology, going to Barnes and Noble. Okay, I don't, they have Barnes and Nobles, but nobody goes to bookstores anymore. But they go to someplace and they find a self-help book and they lean on that as opposed to leaning on Jesus. And I really believe that people don't understand or recognize that growing is difficult when it comes to our faith. You think about a plant that's trying to grow. You have the sun, which is good, but sometimes too much heat can be devastating, especially when you don't have any water and there's no nourishment of that plant. And then what happens when you get these little bugs that start to chew your plants up, or maybe you have critters that come in and steal all your vegetables. There's things that you can't control, but these things can be difficult when we're having a troubled heart. And the first thing that Jesus tells us is to believe in God because it's oftentimes in the midst of uncertainty, trouble, anxiousness, where we learn how to grow and become more rooted in our faith. So here's some passages of scripture for us this morning that I think can help us root us in our belief in God. Second Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not waiting, uh, wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is not one who is ready to harp on you and convict you every time you mess up. He's one who's patient. He longs for our best. He keeps his promises. First John 1 John 1.5 tells us, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. at all. He is pure. He is holy. No evil dwells in God. So whatever you're going through, God is not maliciously making you walk through it. Sometimes things that we go through that cause a troubled heart are just because of the world. It's because of the world, and sometimes it's because of us and our own flesh. Sometimes God does ordain things to happen, but it's never with a malicious intent. In everything we can say, God works out the good for all of those who love him. 
James 1.17 says, every gift, good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We can be encouraged that God never changes. Psalm 18.30 tells us, God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. God is perfect. There's nothing crooked or deceitful about him. His word is flawless and trustworthy. He's this refuge for us. See, these are just some of the verses that describe to us who God is and can comfort us when our hearts are burdened. His way is pure and holy. He is trustworthy. His word is flawless. This is who God is and where Jesus says to start your troubled heart, remembering who he is. The second is remembering God's promises. In verse two, he says, in my father's house are many mansions. There's a promise here of mansions in eternity. Now, I believe the author's trying to do two things here. First, I think he's trying to take our eyes from this level of what's presently happening And he's trying to lift our eye up to the future. He's trying to remind the disciples that no matter what you go through, no matter how burdened you are, no matter what you may experience, there is something far better on the other side. And so the first thing he does is he draws them upwards. He's moving their eyes from the trouble of this world to the beauty of the next one. The recently passed Tim Keller said all death can do to a Christian is to make their lives infinitely better. The second thing we see here is that Jesus promises mansions. Now, for many of us, we grew up in an age where when we think of mansions, I think back to the MTV Cribs shows where you get to see all these like really cool mansions and random stuff that I'm never gonna have in my house. But the reality is this, if you have more than one room in your house, and especially because we have in, indoor plumbing, you live in a mansion compared to most of the world and especially to the time that they're writing, okay? So when he says mansions, we have to understand what he means in this day. Because for them, their mansion that they would think of is something that is immovable, A mansion is something that is settled. For them, a mansion is something that's lasting. It's permanent. Whereas everything else was shifting. At times, the tabernacle would move. At other times, their place of worship, when it was built, would be torn down. Some lived in tents and would have to go to and fro. And here is what Jesus promises to the disciples and to us. That on this side of eternity, we may experience being unsettled. But on the other side, Jesus is preparing a place for us where we will not be caught off guard. He's preparing for us a place where we can finally feel settled and at rest. Now, you may think to yourself, well, that's good for the future, but that doesn't really help my troubled soul now. That's a good promise for the future. That's a nice sentiment. 
We should surely believe in it. But it's hard to imagine a mansion above and look towards our eyes above to see the beauty of the next one when right now is so difficult and my heart is so burdened. Well, God makes us promises for the now. Psalm 34 tells us that the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's close to us. He hears us. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. John 16.33 says, I have told you that these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And in Psalm 37 it says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his right hand. And lastly, Matthew 11 says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Those promises are for us now. When we feel burdened, when we feel troubled, when we feel anxious, God is a close God. He is a God who is with us. He's a God who promises that even if we stumble, he is not going to let us fall all the way down. He promises us rest. So when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, he says, you need to remember who God is, but remember his promises which leads us to the third section, verse three. He promises rest in God's presence. He tells us where you go, I will be there. He promises presence. Now notice here that Jesus puts the emphasis where I am, there you will be. The emphasis of this passage is on him. If I am there, that is all you need. God's presence can often be the hardest thing about this whole process. Because I know when I feel anxious, sometimes I feel distant from God. And yet God promises that when you feel anxious, he's never been more close. The reason why it's difficult, as Psalm 46 tells us, is because it's hard to be still and know that he's God. Also in verse 46, or sorry, in chapter 46, verse 10, he tells us that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. But it can be difficult to just stop and rest in that. In Psalm 4, Eight, he tells us, in peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord. Make me dwell safely. For those that are struggling with a restless heart and sleeping at night, remind yourself of that before you go to sleep. The Lord makes me dwell safely. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with the eternal pleasures at your right hand. 
Hebrews 4, 16 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, let us draw near with confidence into the throne room of grace, that we might receive mercy and grace when we need help. Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Jesus offers us. God longs for us to be in his presence. And we will never have the type of rest for our souls if we don't make time to just stop and rest in his presence. Even if you read the word, even if you're trying to pray, those are all good things that help us. But if we are not going to rest in God's presence and remind us that he actually is the one who can give us rest, we will never find the peace that we're looking for. And how I know this is because I've experienced this in my own life, but Thomas experiences this as well. Thomas says this, verse five, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Remember Thomas, doubting Thomas, in John 20, he's given that title because of, he wouldn't believe Jesus until he put his hands, you know, on the, the scars. But what's interesting about Thomas is that I really don't think that should be his, uh, his moniker, Doubting Thomas. I think, in fact, his nickname should be Discouraged Thomas because he's discouraged now. We know that him, along with all the other disciples, ran away in fear. They're discouraged all of them would go back to doing all the stuff that they were doing before when Jesus died. He's continued in discouragement and it's that discouragement that is the root of his doubting. So he is discouraged Thomas and he asks Jesus something that we often ask through times of trouble and doubting and it's this, God, I don't even know what you're doing. Where are you leading me in this? I don't understand your plan. And this is when Jesus gives him the ultimate confidence for which Thomas can hang his burden upon. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you notice that Jesus does not say here, I'll show you exactly what's gonna happen. He doesn't say, hey, I'm gonna give you every single answer to your questions until you feel comfortable. He doesn't say, you know what? I'm gonna show you the end result first so you can see that it's worth the struggle. Instead, what Jesus does is tell him none of those things he tells him this, I am the only sure way and there is no other way. I am the only truth and there is no other truth. I am the life and there is no other source of life. So when we feel moments that we are burdened and, and have anxiety and Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled, he is telling us here because there is no other way to stop a restless heart, a troubled heart. There is no solution besides belief in God 
There's no solution that can solve the problem except for Jesus. And here's what happens. We try to find other ways to try and pull ourselves up out of disparity. We try to find other truths to make us feel better or rationalize what we're going through. We try to find other sources of life to give us energy and positivity. But the human experience teaches us this, that our ways often fail, that the truth of the world often changes And the sources of life that are offered to us by the world are just broken cisterns that hold no water. See, the only way to accomplish what Jesus is directing us here to do is to fully place everything we have in the true living water because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. He is unique There is no one like him, and that should be our encouragement. We have the one thing that will not fail, Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We have this glorious access to the Father in the midst of our trouble. And how encouraging is it to know that we can trust in the one thing that never fails us? This should be a delight to all of our souls. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this promise that we have. You never promised us that we would not have trouble. Everyday life and experience tells us that we are prone to anxiety, prone to anxiousness, prone to have a conflicted heart, prone to feel the trouble of this world. And yet you tell us, do not let your heart be troubled. And it's because we can rest in the one thing that we know will not fail us, and that is you. God, forgive us when we have rested in our own strength, rested in our own wisdom, rested in our own solutions that ultimately leave us wanting more and wanting and leaving us unsatisfied. And sometimes it even leads us even more broken. But God, we know you are a God who loves his people. You're near the brokenhearted. And God, we know that you answer to those who call on you. And so for those in this room this morning, Lord, that are walking through life and are feeling burned, feeling anxious, feeling troubled, and their heart is not finding rest, Lord, I pray that they would reach out this morning, call upon the name that is above every name for the hope that they have, the peace that they can have, and that their heart will be eased of the burden that they feel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.